they want to tell you they can. So, the first one says, going to Soul Survivor, I was skeptical. However hard I tried, there was, uh, however, however hard I tried, there was the logical, over-rational voice in my head. How can there be an all-powerful being out there, and why doesn't he show himself if he's that powerful, and if there is something out there, how do we know he's the being we all think he is? What about if there's nothing, and believing is a big waste of time? But then I saw how other people's lives had been changed from just one seminar. People felt strong enough to let out their emotions for the first time in their lives. I saw how strangers held up one another through prayer. It truly was a sight of humanity coming together. Knowing you have a family through the church, that give, uh, this gives you so much peace. A peace I would like to hold on to forever. I've learned how important this peace is in my mental state. The worries just faded away over the couple of magical days that I was there. Soul has also showed me how important messages in the Bible are, even for non-believers. The morals it teaches can lead us to a more fulfilling life and how to become so much more content with our, with our own lives. Skepticism still creeps up on me sometimes, but I just have to remember that life is better with Jesus. And that's... Look, all these are from, these are from teenagers. Um, and someone else wrote... Uh, it was just amazing to see how many people there are around you who believe just the same as you. It was great to see how much joy and enthusiasm throughout the room. It was great to see the joy and enthusiasm throughout the room and to see how many people went up to be prayed for. It was great. And that's superb. That equally deserves a round of applause. And, um, and then finally, um, there's this one. It says, I set off for Soul Survivor this year feeling very separated from God and everyone around me. I went to Seoul last year as well, but this year I immediately felt more at home and closer to Jesus. Numerous people spoke into my life and that meant that I left with more confidence and I really felt ready to start building my relationship with God. I felt especially close to a lyric in one of the songs um, that we sang. And here's the lyric, lost and dead, but your love came to find me. I really do think that over the last couple of years, Jesus' love has come to find me. And this year, I'm doing the Bible in a year uh, and in hope of making our relationship stronger. Absolutely fantastic. Okay, so um, we can leave the lights off. It's fine. Len, it's fine, mate. Um, thank you. So we're going we're gonna to stand. I'm gonna, before we stand, I'm going to explain. I'll stay here. I'm going to explain what the hearts are because we're going to sing one song and then we're going to have a coffee break. We do things a bit strange in our... Well, it's become normal now. But we have a coffee break after. Um, I, I've just realised that really I should have written some notes and I didn't, so... <laughs> uh, this year was my, my eighth year at Soul Survivor. And at various times over the years... Um, well, for those of you who don't know, in 2002 I was diagnosed with chronic renal failure... Um, and at the time, I saw the consultant who became known to me, not to her face, but as the angel of death, because the first time I saw her, she said, that's it, you've got this, this and this, um, you'll be on dialysis in three to five years, um, we'll see you in six months. Uh, and that was it. And I went out thinking, oh, flipping out. <laughs> this is a bit odd. Anyway, um, 14 years later... Um, I still didn't need any dialysis, um, but that's part of the story. But during the, during the times at Soul Survivor, various people prayed for me. Um, one year, um, 
they um, all walked around me seven times like um, Joshua did in uh, the walls of Jericho. Um, and although the, if the benefit wasn't long-lasting, I did that year go home and decorate two bedrooms, which <laughs> uh, the week before Soul Survivor I wouldn't have been able to do. So there was you know, some, some benefit there. Um, and then as, as the years go by, obviously more and more people were praying for me. And then last year, I probably hit rock bottom, although I never said anything to anybody. I think a lot of people probably did realise that I really didn't think that I was going to make Soul Survivor last year. Um, I think Joe had had contingency plans, um, <laughs> just in case. Um, and when I came back, um, my kidney function was down to 9%. Um, but while I was there, um, it was probably the one and only time that it had really got to me that, you know, this was, this was getting bad now. Um, I was cooking breakfast and going back to bed, and then I was up doing lunch and going back to bed, um, and then cooking dinner, and not going back to bed, but going to the evening meeting, but I did sleep through a good part of one of the noisy, <laughs> noisy evening meetings uh, one night. Um, but towards the end of the week, um, I heard um, God definitely say to me that um, it was all in his timing and to leave it with him, to, to leave the stress with him. Because up until then, I hadn't really been getting stressed. I just carried on and doing all the, the bits and pieces. Um, and to leave it with him. And then, like, less than four months later, I'd had a kidney transplant before I needed dialysis, which doesn't normally happen. Normally, you're on, you're on dialysis for, for some time. Um, I was out of hospital in 10 days, uh, back to work in three months. Um, and while we were at Soul Survivor this year, um, the youngsters were all given a card to fill in things that God had said to them either directly or through somebody else. And what I'd just like to say to them is, those cards are going to be posted to you in the next few weeks. Keep hold of those cards. Keep hold of those promises. Because God is true and faithful to his promises. Come on. Ten minutes, I want to chat with you about, um, obviously, if you haven't picked up already, about love. I want to talk to you guys. I want to talk with each other, myself as well. I want to chat with myself and just clarify what love is just to, for me, for you hopefully. And, um, and I bought a few items with me from my wardrobe. Hopefully these items will demonstrate what love, what I think love is. Very good, thank you. Um, and so, this first jacket. Okay, hands up anyone who knows what this jacket is used for. Hands up anyone who knows what this kind of jacket is used for. Joe. Walking in the rain. Very good. Um, yes, you can walk in the rain as well. There are some like reflective. Here's a clue. It has a very high collar. So I'll put it on. I'll put it on. It has a very high collar. Boys, why have you not got your hands up? Don't look at each other. These boys sailed around the world last, two, how many years ago? Three years ago? So maybe you would have used one of these, potentially. Hmm? Did you? Yes, I thought you did. So, Malachi, what, what, what are they useful? Dude, let, the clue is in, they sailed around the world a couple of years ago. Fishing! You're brilliant, kid. 
You're brilliant. Did you fish? Yes. They used it for fishing, but something else, maybe. Sailing. Gus, was you going to say sailing? Well done. Sailing. So, um, I'm going to talk to I'm going to talk to us today. Can you still hear me? Sounds like I'm in the shower, maybe. La 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 la. Um, so, so people who go sailing wear things like this. Why do they wear things like this? That's rhetorical. All right, I'm going to answer it because I'll be here all day. Why do they wear things like this? They wear things like this to protect them. They wear things like this to keep them dry. But if I just wore this every single day, do I look like a goon? Good. That's my aim. That's my aim. Um, I, wish, I wish I got my phone. I would take a selfie. So, I'll carry on talking whilst I'm getting my phone. So, people wear these jackets for safety. They wear it for, to stop getting wet. They wear it so they can continue on with their life, you know, as a sailor, as whatever. You need all to smile. Very good. Oh, wait a minute. I pressed the wrong button. Yes, I am an old man. So, so people, sailors wear these to protect them, to keep them safe, etc., etc., etc. She's taking a photo. But if I wore this every single day, I'd feel rather stifled, I'd feel rather cramped, I'd feel rather out of place. Do you not think? I would feel rather out of place, I'd feel awkward. Um, in the summer, you know, man, we've had a brilliant summer. Soul Survivor was the best weather we've ever had, ever in like 10 or so years that we've been going, get in. Um, if I wore this at Soul Survivor, yes, people would think I really am truly a goon, but I am anyway, but I'm not. So how does this jacket, how can it show you, how can it show me what love is like? Well, I'll, I'll tell you in a second, because I'm gonna put another jacket on. This is my favorite. Because when I wear this jacket, I feel really smart, I feel, oh that sounds weird outside of that jacket. I feel really smart, I feel comfortable, I feel like, do you know what? I feel like maybe people are gonna to listen to me, I don't know why. <laughs> so I'm gonna put it on and leave it on now so you all listen to me. No, when I wear this jacket I feel really smart, I use it for weddings and maybe funerals and different things like that when I just wanna look smart, I just wanna feel, uh, I don't know, important I suppose. And it's just a nice jacket. But again, it wouldn't just fit into my everyday life. I couldn't be running around a football pitch. Not that I do it very often these days. But I couldn't be running around playing football or, or playing messy games in the back hall with the kids at, at, at a Friday club or having custard pie shoved in my face. Although I have wore a tuxedo once and had a custard pie. Remember, Julia? Remember when we did the spies? <laughs> So, not in everyday life would I wear a jacket like this, but just on special occasions, just on the odd occasion. So, but I really like this jacket. I really, it makes me feel comfortable. That jacket I'm a bit uncomfortable in, it's a bit enclosed, it's almost a bit restrictive, I suppose, for everyday life. But this one is really nice, and it's really nicely lined, and it's really cool. It's the most expensive thing I've ever bought in my life. That suit is. And it's really like... It is, it is genuinely the most expensive suit I've ever bought in my life. But this little baby, 
this little baby truly is my favourite, favourite jacket. It really is my favourite jacket. It's my go-to jacket. If I'm just going out, popping down the shops, I'll put this in. If I'm going somewhere, if I'm going for a walk, I'll put this on. Even if it's raining Malachi, I'll put this on. And it just fits so snugly. A few more pounds, it might be a bit too snug. I did say I needed to try it on this morning. It's been in my cupboard all summer, like for about four months, because we've had a summer this year. So this is my go-to jacket. If I'm just doing general everyday stuff, I reach and I grab this jacket because I feel comfortable. I can move in it. I'm not restricted. I'm not, you know, I'm not looked upon as if I was going to a funeral. Because I think I did wear this a few months back and someone said, oh, you're going to a funeral. I was like, oh man, great, thanks. Thanks for that. But this is just my go-to. This is what I feel most comfortable in. And this, these three jackets, I'm going to chat with you for a few minutes about how they represent or how they can represent God's love. How can these three jackets represent God's love? And I'm going to take my jacket off because I'm sweating already. But how can they represent God's love? So here we go. Oh, Next Sunday morning, the church service is up the nose because we're doing the community fun day. And then Sunday morning, it's a notice in my talk, all right? Just accept it. Next Sunday morning, we're doing the Sunday service up the Nove, and it starts at 11 o'clock. What time? 11 Correct. You're very good. Good memory. It starts at 11 o'clock, guys, not 10 o'clock. You can turn up at 10 o'clock if you want to help set things up. No problem. But 11 o'clock. I'll turn my phone off now. 11 o'clock. Um, last Sunday, last Sunday morning with the teenagers, we... Um, did a session downstairs, and I spoke about um, a particular word that they all laughed and thought it wasn't a word. It's the word. Freest, all right? Freest. You can all sit there and shake your head. There's principals and head teachers and vice principals and English teachers in here. Just accept it, I'm telling you, it's a word. I checked, I checked. So we spoke about being free, or when we feel our freest. When I've got that red jacket on, I don't feel very free. I don't feel at all able to fully function. It obviously it's functional on a boat, because you need to stay dry when you're sailing, and you need to just, you know, stay warm and all of them things because of hypothermia and all the horrible things that happen if you get too wet. But when I have that red jacket on, I don't feel very free. I feel very restricted. I feel very enclosed. And I just want to say to every single person in this room that God's love is not like that. God's love is not something that binds us and holds us and holds us ransom and says, you're not there. However, when we're feeling at our lowest ebb, and when we're feeling like we want to cry and like we want to shout and like we want to scream, sometimes we need that kind of love. Sometimes, I know Nick, when he was desperate for a new kidney, he would have been very, very happy to receive this kind of love from God and know that he was secure in God's love and know that God's love was there for him. And so he would experience that kind of love. So in some respects, it can feel negative. But I want to say, 
a lot of the time as well, it can also feel very, very positive. It's not freeing, if you like, it's quite restrictive. And they aren't, they're not negative. They're not negative. I don't think they're negative words and negative um, actions and attitudes that we have in our life. I think they can be very positive. If they're in the wrong sense, they're negative. But in the right sense, they are very, very positive. I have a, a wonderful poem, a brilliant poem from Maya Angelou. Maya, Maya Angelou. And this is a great poem. Someone who stood up for freedom, helped people who felt restricted, helped people who felt like they were trapped. And this is her poem. She was a Christian. And she says, I am a Christian. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not shouting I'm saved. I'm whispering I'll get lost. That's why I chose this way. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't speak of this with pride. I'm confessing that I stumble and need someone to be my guide. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong. I'm professing that I'm weak and pray for strength to carry on. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not bragging of success. I'm admitting I failed and cannot ever pay my debt. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are too visible. But God believes I'm worth it. When I say I'm a Christian, I still feel the sting of pain. I have my share of heartaches, which is why I seek his name. When I say I am a Christian, I do not wish to judge. I have no authority. I only know I'm loved. And I think that is an absolutely beautiful poem by someone who was for freedom and for community and for society. And so I believe that even though God's love can be restrictive, it, all, it is also very freeing. Is freeing a word? Is freest a word and freeing is a word? I had a nod from a solicitor, all right, saying that freest was a word as well. So take it up with her. Completely unprompted. I'm, I'm thrown now. Don't know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> Thanks, Marie. Superb. So, God's love is freeing and it can also be comforting. That's what God's love is, can be, and is. And I've got an absolutely beautiful verse from Psalm 91. And it says this. I didn't give you this, but I'll just read it. You don't need to put it up. Psalm 91 verses 1 to 4, it says, it says, you who sit down in God's high, in high God's presence, spend the night in shadow's shadow. Say this, God is my refuge. I trust in you, I am safe. That's right, he rescues you from the hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards, his huge, huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you are perfectly safe. His, his arms fend off all harm. And when you are sailing around the world, when you are sailing across the ocean, oh, and Mary as well. <laughs> are you the youngest sailor to sail the ocean? The, the oldest? You might be, aren't you? You needed security. 
You needed that reassurance. You needed knowledge that you were safe, even though you were in this tiny boat on this huge, huge ocean. And I'll bet you must have prayed a heck of a lot. <laughs> I, bet, I know I would have, sailing across any ocean, man, I would have prayed. But that security that God offers is just like that big, fat sailing jacket that can feel quite restrictive at times, but actually is very freeing, very releasing, and very reassuring. So how can this, um, how can this suit jacket, how, how can that be linked with God's love? Well, believe it or not, I am not a smart... Well, no, you do believe it, you know. I'm not a smart man. <laughs> I'm not a smart bloke. I'm a simple guy, and I love that. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm a simple man. But when I put that jacket on, it sort of lifts me a little, and I feel a little bit smart because I'm wearing a smart jacket. What's this got to do with love? Well, we have to be smart. You have to be smart in your love. We have to be smart in how we treat other people. We have to be smart in how we treat our fellow human beings on this planet. We have to be smart. And the smartest action anyone can have is love. That is the smartest. Sometimes it's easy to love someone. Sometimes it's difficult to love someone. Um, a few years ago, we had to do something with our son. Our son committed a crime. No one knew about it. The police didn't know about it. The police didn't know about it. We knew about it. We'd just come back off holiday and we found out that our son had committed this crime. He'd, I'm going to tell you. He'd taken our car, right? And he'd crashed our car. That's what he did. Serious. Serious thing. We come home from holiday. We get home and he's there and, and our daughters tell us what's happened and he's there sobbing. He's, out, he's crying. He's upset. He's, he's angry. He's scared. And we chatted about it, and we prayed about it, and we knew that we'd got to do the right thing. And we went to the police station. It is the toughest thing I've ever had to do in my life. The toughest. We went to the police station, and I'm not telling a fib, I'm not lying or exaggerating. The police officer behind the counter said, you don't want to do this. Three times, am I right? Three times this officer tried to convince us not to take any action. Not to inform them, even though we'd informed them. They said, you don't want to do this. You shouldn't do this. This is your son. What are you doing? You must be mental. Don't tell us. We'd already told them. But it was like, we can just look. We'll just look the other way. That's what this police officer said to me. I am a true respecter, full respecter of our services. They do an absolutely brilliant job and a very difficult job. And I'm not slagging them off in any way. But I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that this officer said, don't do anything. But I said... I'm sorry, officer, but I am going to report. I am reporting a crime. And our son, for weeks and weeks, wanted to beat me up. And that's understandable. That's how angry he was. He wanted to beat me up. And that's fine. That's okay. Well, it's not okay, but I felt that's okay. But I felt that I'd operated in smart love. You know, I could have just been really weak and I could have just been really like, oh, it's all right, son, it's all right, and turned a blind eye. But I said, and now, even just a few months later, actually, he said to us, he said, I'm so glad that you did that, Dad. I am so glad that you operated in tough love 
because it does tell it if you hadn't done anything i'd still believe that you love me but maybe i believe a little bit more that you really do 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 love me when you because you did this and so sometimes we have to operate in smart love god's love is smarter than anyone else's god's love is better than anyone else's god's love i believe is greater than anyone else's god's love is smart because God has given us this book we call the Bible that we read that gives us lots and lots and lots of ideas on how to live our life. Loads. And it's simple. It's not flipping rocket science. It's quite simple. The do's and don'ts. And how we should live our life before God. So my suit jacket, when I wear this, I'm reminded of having to operate in smart love have to function in smart love whether you're a parent or a child be smart be smart in your actions be smart in your decisions be smart in how you how we portray how we shine God to our family to our friends to our community but be smart and I'm not saying be conniving I'm just saying be smart be wise be wise and Hebrews 12 5 and 7 says and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the, Lord's dis for the Lord disciplines those that he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? We've heard of a lot, sadly. Be wise in your discipline. And finally, my everyday coat. My lovely jacket. <laughs> my little teddy bear. No, it's not. Um, it's my favourite. I feel the happiest when I'm wearing that. I feel relaxed when I'm wearing that. God's love is like all of these. God's love will make us feel relaxed, will make us feel happy. God's love will enable us to be wise. God's love will enable us to feel secure and feel safe and not restricted. Because God's love is absolutely amazing, I believe. And for Nick and for the other guys who shared their testimonies today, they weren't forced or can, they weren't cajoled or anything. I asked, does anyone want to say something? And these guys said, yes, I want to say something. Why did they want to say it? To let you know that they're experiencing God's love. That they have experienced God's love and they continue to experience God's love. All these guys who went to Soul Survivor, they experienced God's love. I don't think 8,000 people could fake. I don't think 8,000 people could fake this God thing. I truly believe that God is holy, fully, completely real. And God wants the best for you. And God wants the best for me. And God wants us to live a fulfilling life. A life that's fulfilled. A life that's whole. How do we experience fullness? When we know we're loved, I believe. When we know we're loved by our family and our friends and ultimately by God. When we feel loved, it makes you feel, it makes me feel ten foot tall. When I know that my wife loves me and my children and my grandchildren loves me, it makes me feel, whoo, Maybe I can't even express how it makes... I can't. It just makes you feel so good. And I've experienced that in God. And anyone on this planet 
Anyone in this town, anyone in this room can experience God's love. Absolutely anyone. And I'm going to finish with this. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. And it's from the message. It says, But now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I love that. When you're in over your head, I'll be there. I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you'll not go down. When you're beaten, sorry, when you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God. The holy Israel, your saviour. I paid a huge price for you. I'm going to leave it there. I paid a huge price price for you. That's what the Bible says. What are these hearts doing here? I'm finishing now with this. In January, Peter, our senior pastor, is on sabbatical. Please pray for him. Peter started a series of the Bible through. So the whole Bible, and we finished it in August. And I gave these hearts to families at the very, very beginning and said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your heart I want you to take it home and every week when you've learned something from what we've taught you at church, put it in your box. Put it in your box. It's pretty much what Nick says about those letters. If you've received something from God, if you've received a message, oh, that's good. I don't know what that means. Probably significant someone. If you've received a message from God or something significant from God, hold on to it. Write it down. Keep it close because God's promises are true. When God says something, I remember I was reminded at Soul Survivor when we were marching around Nick. Man, I was crying when I, when I went back to the tent and I spoke to Nick. I was weeping because I could just remember that promise that God said, I'm going to tear down the walls and I'm going to do something new in this man's life. <laughs> it's like, yes, God. And it took years. Was that 2010 or something like that? 10 or 11, wasn't it? 2011. And maybe, like me, sometimes I pray and say, okay, God, and then I'm like, come on, then. God wants us to be patient. God wants us to be patient with him because his love never fails. His love never stops. His love goes on. Like that song says, I love that word. On and on and on and on it goes. And I'm done. Everyone said. Thank you for listening. Guys, if you don't know God's love, chat with me. I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to pray with you. Chat with any of the young people who know God. They will be happy to chat with you. And pray. Maybe. Um, I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that the greatest display of love was when you died on the cross. God, I thank you that you did that for me. And John 3.16 says you did it, as Lucy said, you did it for the whole world. Continual, continual, continual. 
not just then, not just in 10 years' time, not today or yesterday, but forever. That God, you proved your love when you sent Jesus. Jesus, you proved your love when you stepped up to that cross and you died on it. But you didn't stay dead, and that's the great news about Christianity. You are the deity that's not still in a pit, the deity that's not got bones still on earth because you rose. So God, I pray for every person. Lord, I thank you for the trip that we had to Soul Survivor. Thank you for the young guys who came. Lord, I pray that they would go on and on, walking with you, that the knowledge they've received wouldn't go wasted and go buried, but it would, they would pour it on, so to speak, like these jackets, and they would walk with you. So God, I pray your blessing upon these folks here today. Your blessing upon Peter, as he's on sabbatical, and your blessing upon the people that we know, God, who are ill or laid aside from whatever, through whatever reason. God, we pray your hand, your blessing, your mighty power to be theirs. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.